It is Friday, January 20th. I'm AJ Hoffman. And I am Steve Fezzik. The Tampa Bay Bucks move on from their OC, and Gonzaga has a historic win streak snapped. Here comes the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. This is straight out of Vegas. This is straight out of Vegas AM, and I am joined by Mr. Steve Fezzik, the only two-time Super Contest champion. Uh, Steve, how are you, man? I was told there'd be pizza. There's no pizza, not this morning. I'm sorry. Uh, Scott Seidenberg remains in Florida. I didn't get an updated dinger count. I was hoping to get one of those before we uh, got on the air this morning, but... Uh, apparently, maybe it was zero. I don't know. I find that hard to imagine. But is he not in a softball league where you're not allowed to hit home runs? Or is well, this this is like the championships. I would assume you're allowed to to at least. I think the leagues he plays in, you're allowed a certain amount of home runs. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it's like one. So you're supposed to save it. You save it. Save it for a moment where the bases are loaded or whatever. Uh, But I don't exactly know. But no dinger count from Scott. Uh, Scott will be back either Monday morning or Tuesday morning. TBD will play it by ear. It depends on how well they play. If they stink, he'll be back Monday morning. And I'll be fired. And you'll be fired. If they play well... He'll be back Tuesday morning. And so, you have the B team and have me in them. Yeah, yeah. So right. either way, uh, it's going to be fun. Let's start, and let's say the Vegas lead today is what's going on. I, I guess NFL coaching in general. We shouldn't just say what's going on in Tampa, but that's where we'll start. As the Tampa Bay Bucks move on from Byron Lefwich as their OC. And this, to me, brings up more than just like coaching questions because I don't think right now the let's let's just rewind to a year ago any move that got made in the Bucks coaching circle was to basically to to kowtow to what Tom Brady wanted mm-hmm. in my opinion and I think in the opinion of a lot of people I think Tom Brady didn't want to play for Bruce Arians anymore so Tom Brady said okay uh, he he basically called management's bluff like the ownership's bluff and said okay He's going to be the coach. It's been real. I'm out of here. A couple weeks later, oh, Bruce Arians going to move into the front office. Uh, Todd Bowles will be the head coach. All of a sudden, you know, I think I'm going to come back out of retirement. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think – do you think that's a coincidence? I, start- I, I do not. You know, it's interesting because Tampa wins their division, and it somewhat masks the fact that it was an unmitigated disaster in Tampa this year. As bad and as poor as that division was – they're supposed to win 11 half games and they needed some miracle fourth quarter drives just to win the division at eight, and nine. Exactly. Yeah. This is a, I, people were, it's so funny how people were very quick to say the Rams are bad. Like it was real easy for people to say, yep, the Rams are no good. And they weren't. And it's, I mean, that's, so it was smart to say that it took a long time for people to say Tampa's bad because Tampa kept being in first place. So, and, and Tom Brady, has fooled us all for the past 10 years. Not fooled us, but exceeded expectations. And and what he's an alien. What has happened to every other quarterback is they get washed up at age 38. 
the exceptions are Peyton Manning and Brett Favre, who played very well at 39 and 40, and then they were washed up at 41. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that is the age that people are done, though. I think people, and I know I was this, I'm sure you've been this as much as RJ's beat you up about it. I think people were scared to say he's hit the wall now, he's done, because they've said it before and been wrong. Exactly. Like you, you keep saying, "This is it. He's fi- this is finally it. He's done." And then the next year, he's the MVP. It, it's like, well, now I look like an like a dummy for saying that he was done. So, so a bold take next year. Uh, whoever gets stuck with Tom Brady is going to have to bench him mid year because he's going to be so bad. I'm gonna I'm gonna go that extreme because it, it is not the slow um, downward spiral that you see with these aging quarterbacks. It's literally, they can't play. I mean, like Osweiler is replacing Peyton Manning. You know, that's that's how bad it gets, despite the fact that Manning's MVP just, you know, 18 months before. Now, and let's think about Byron Leftwich. And by the way, it was eight other coaches left the staff yesterday for the, for the Bucks. It was like a complete overhaul, particularly on the offensive side. Uh, but let's rewind to like a year or two ago where Byron Leftwich was talked about as like this guy could be a head coach. Now he's a now he's a fired OC. Like could it really be that just this one bad season or like with a 45-year-old quarterback and really Tom Brady put up some impressive numbers. He wasn't good, but the numbers were there. Is is Byron Leftwich now the scapegoat for this? That doesn't make much sense to me. Like Byron Leftwich didn't do I'm not saying he did a great job. Called a lot of runs in the first half on first down. And then Brady just threw every down the rest of the game after they got behind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so on top of it, they lost a, their special teams coach, a wide receivers coach, offensive quality control coach, an assistant D-line coach, a running back coach, quarterback coach, senior offensive assistant, and uh, actually he, the senior offensive assistant and the quarterback coach and the outside linebackers coach all decided to retire. But the rest of them were asked to leave Saints are gonna uh, win the less, di- less politely. Saints are going to win the division next year. Uh, boy. Saints had good underlying numbers. Saints should have they should have won the division this year. You know what the problem is with that division and picking a winner in that division? When, you, when you've got a bad div- division like that, it should be real easy. It should be as simple as saying, who's got a quarterback I trust? Oh. But the answer is that's going to be a problem. None of them. That's, None of them have a quarterback true. that you can even like remotely trust. And even the whole find a quarterback you trust theory, which I used to believe in, I tell you what, the Denver Broncos kind of disproved that because Russell Wilson turned into a pumpkin this year. Yeah, and now, listen, it's not it's not flawless, but let's also look at the fact that the Broncos are in a division with you know, Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and I say what you want now, but Derek Carr. Fair so enough, like, they were they were in a quarterback wasteland in a in a division where everybody had the goods and they didn't. They had to have that to compete. Even I still don't think they would have won the NFC South if they were residing in that division. I wonder if that if they would have. I don't know. He I, was so bad. He was although he got better late in the year. But yeah, yeah you're right. It, it was pretty bad. But that's again. That's a head coach that was clearly in over his head as well. But wait a minute. Herbert's no good, right? Herbert's no good, which we'll get. Uh, Sorry, RJ, RJ. Yeah, the, RJ Herbert's sent me his. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he sent me his list. He, he had me give his one through five or my wanna, one through five. I, I want to hear this. Yes. He gave me his one through five, which we'll get to. And I want to get yours as well. Uh, 
you, you'll you won't be surprised at RJ's answer, but it, it's um, probably not what you're expecting. All probably, right, probably not what you're expecting. So, the Bucks. My question is: Does this move? Is this like it was last year? Is this a move meant to try and keep Tom Brady happy, or at this point, did the Bucks just say, you know what, we? It's time. It's time for us to move on. He, it doesn't matter because he's moving on regardless. It's very clear to – I mean, I think the writing's on the wall. I don't know what the odds are, right, but I'm sure he's the underdog to return. And I can't see the Tampa Bay being all choked up about leaving him the way he was playing at the end of the year. Yeah. It, the problem becomes now who's the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Bucks because in-house options aren't options. Blaine Gabbert can't be a starting quarterback in the NFL. But – I would argue if you said, hey, let's go out and get Jimmy Garoppolo, the Bucks are better. If you go out and get Derek Carr, the Bucks are better. I agree. Perfectly competent, middle-of-the-road starting quarterbacks. Are they the 14th best or the 18th best quarterback? Who cares? They're all comparable. And are, are they, are they going to be better than what Tom Brady was two years ago? Of course Almost not. certainly not. But will they be better? I guess the question is, will they be better than what Brady was this year? The question is, will they be better than what Brady would be next year? And my my strong, strong opinion is, yes. They I will think be. everyone's going to be better than Brady's going to be by the end of next year. But like I said, it's like these quarterbacks fall off the cliff. And what will happen is if he just gets a minor, minor injury, that'll be it for him. You know, that most quarterbacks could play through. And it's probably going to happen. Think about this. The, the 2020 and 2021 season, the Bucks averaged 30.4 points per game. They were the best offense in the regular season over that two-year span. This year, they dropped to 18.4 points per game, 25th in the NFL in one year. And in a cupcake division with, with six games against, you know, below-average teams. So And Brady threw the ball 756 times. Do you know how many times Brady's thrown for seven? He's thrown seven hundred fifty-six passes in a year. Once, this year, the yes. only time ever. Yes, at age forty-five, throwing. He, they said, let's throw him more than he's ever thrown before. Well, that happens when you're behind every fourth quarter, and you know, and and, and frankly, Tampa could easily have won only six games this year. Yeah, this was and McKenzie. The Bucks were on that list of of teams we talked about who were replacing a lot of offensive line, right? Indeed. And can you look up how their offensive line performed this year compared to last year? I'd be curious about it. I don't know. I'm not trying to make excuses for Tom Brady. I think it's pretty simple to just say, okay, well, they lost. They did lose Rob Gronkowski. They did lose Antonio Brown. Last year, it did feel like they had just such a an overwhelming amount of weapons and that's a good that's a good point. Think about this: like the Bucks couldn't run the ball this year. Mm-hmm. Well, last year when you had Antonio Brown, you had Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Gronk. Like, how could you how could you defend the run? Yeah. Like, you can't. You've got you have all your safeties have to be committed to to someone in in that group. And they're bringing in all these these past their prime players trying to, you know. And Julio Jones, I mean Julio Jones made some decent plays especially even in that Cowboys game. He's like one of the guys who kept them in it before he limped off the field. Yeah. But you're right. It's like you can't just bring in, you know, the ghost of uh Christmas past and expect him to be you know 2015 Julio Jones. It doesn't work that way. Uh but Brady of course is going to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. 
obviously, I, I think the I, here's what I think. I don't think Bucks management has the balls to just not even try. Mm. Like to tell Tom we're not interested. He might Brady might have to take it because I think Brady's going to be sorely disappointed at what is going to be available to him. I think he's thinking he can write his ticket, and it's just not the case. Now, the, to, to mitigate that, there's a whole bunch of teams with no quarterback at all, and there's a whole bunch of teams who, just from a a selling ticket standpoint, mm. would probably be happy to have Tom Brady, like. Would Tom Brady make the Carolina Panthers any good? No, but would would Carolina's ownership be happy with their uh, with their ticket count? Yeah, I'm, but, I'm guessing yes. Yeah, but Brady's not going to be happy in Carolina. He might be happy in Vegas, but not in Carolina. That's probably true. He's going to go someplace with weapons. Yeah, but you know what? Vegas is another spot, a team that could use a quarterback who could get some butts in seats that are actually home team butts in yeah, seats. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, you know, uh, selling out. Allegiant Stadium has not been a problem. No, it's just Raiders fans filling it up what has it, been a problem. Hey, it's all green. What does it, yeah, what true. Is, what does it really matter as long as someone's sure, buying the tickets? I'm guessing ownership doesn't mind the like the coaching and the players. They probably would prefer more black and silver in the stands. So, of course, we're in Vegas, and when the Raiders were playing Kansas City, I was at Caesars Palace that Saturday morning. I have been here during a Super Bowl, all right, where you've got fans of the teams walking around the – Amount of jerseys that were worn at Caesars that day, Kansas City jerseys in particular, I have never seen such a confluence of one team's support in all my years in Vegas. Literally every 10th person I walked by that morning in Caesars was wearing a Mahomes or a Kelsey jersey. Well, I'm not surprised. That seems to be the case more often than not here. All right, let's get to this is the day before we get to the, the division round. If we're down to eight teams. Let's start with the Saturday games, and we'll start with the Jags and the Chiefs. And you, you're, you've said this before. You don't understand why anyone would be betting on the Chiefs or or the uh, the Eagles at their numbers instead of just teasing. But looks like in the last couple hours, the eight and a halfs that were there have almost completely dried up. So now. You're you're facing mostly nines. Does that change your opinion on whether or not you would bet Kansas City as a straight up team? Well, I wasn't going to bet them anyway. So you're saying, oh, so I so I didn't like them minus eight and a half. But now that they're nine, okay. Now here's the here's what I mean. You didn't like them minus eight and a half relatively to like if you're compared to playing a teaser. Now that the teaser's not an option. It's still an option. Just play a six-and-a-half-point teaser. It's okay. Fine. It's fine. I know you're paying a little bit extra vig. The best evidence I can give is that if you look at the money line on Kansas, Kansas City and Philadelphia, and people talk about, oh, just parlay the money lines. But those are like Kansas City's in the minus 400s for the money line, and Philly's in the minus 300s. But if you play the teaser, you know, each with each individual leg, you're essentially, even with a six-and-a-half-point teaser, you're laying minus 130 in most shops, so that's a minus um, uh, 280 bet. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's uh, minus 130 is a minus 300 bet on each leg. So it's a lot cheaper to play the teasers. It's it, it, You wish you'd gotten at it playing the six-point teaser at Kansas City. It's fine to play the six-and-a-half-point teaser. It's still superior to any other bet. It's better than the money line. It's better than laying nine. I would argue even teasing a nine down to two and a half is better than taking a minus eight and a half, lay a dollar ten. 
And so my question always has been, I, you know, I got to be honest. I know lots of pro betters. I know lots of guys that win lots of money and they get kicked out of lots of sports books and some books still take their money. And none of us have bet a minus eight or a plus two in 10 years. We literally would never do it because, and it's all documented in all the books. You can read um, The Smart Money by, Cro- by um, Koenig. Uh, you can read Sharp Sports Betting, Stanford Wong. The long teaser is better, taking a minus eight to minus two, as long as you've got another partner to partner right. with or leave an open spot. And the plus two to plus eight is better as well. And so that's that's how we play. I played the teaser. Um, and I, I, I so I think what's happening is that I – it's certainly possible the sportsbook isn't getting inundated with Kansas City minus eight and a half money. They're just saying the heck with these teasers. We're going to nine to stop the teasers cold. Now, some other books stop the teasers by charging you an arm and a leg. So instead of the standard pricing, the six-point teaser at minus 120, uh, circuit charges minus 125. South point charges minus 130. While at those prices, I know it sounds trivial, just an extra five or ten cents. But it's just too much. It's a bridge too far to overcome, to be able to try to win. All right, let's talk about the Giants and the Eagles. And for the first time, I think I'm starting to see some eights pop up. Uh, yeah, Caesars has eights. Points bet has eights. Still mostly seven and a half, but it looks like there are some eights popping up. Uh, so Philly taking some money. Is that a surprise to you? No, because the public's still betting on teams. And we're getting later in the week, and the public's going to bet on the on the favorites. So, I mean, that money is certainly going to come in. Well, let's face it. If you're a sharp, uh, why would I possibly be betting the dogs at this time? Because I know even if I just don't pay any attention and those lines, let's say they crash. Let's say the line crashed down on Kansas City down to eight and the Eagles even came down to seven. It's not a problem. I live in Vegas. I'll get a seven and a half. Maybe I'll have to go to a station casino or a coast casino or win right. there, there, or a gold nugget. There's enough recreational places that even if the overall global line starts to move, the only time I'm going out and betting a seven and a half is when most of them are gone. This is how pros bet. They, we don't, when, when, the, when the board is painted the same number across the board, we never bet. We literally never will bet. You're that. looking for the outlier numbers. Yes, because why would I? I can just as well, I'm watching the screen all day long. If it's if I like the dog and the and the seven and a half is the number the best number started to, to disappear. I could always get it. So I, in my opinion, and I used to manage sports betting teams. It is it is an egregious mistake to bet into a number that is painted everywhere. Example: San Francisco, Dallas is a great example where. For a while, it was three and a half everywhere. There was no reason to bet Dallas. There was no reason to bet San Francisco. But now, then we see the money coming in on the 49ers, and the three and a half start tripping to fours. And I know you got to be a little bit quick, and you got to be on top sure. of it. But okay. It's a job. Now, it's a job. It's a J-O-B. <laughs> so now you lay the three and a half when they're starting to d- disappear. But there's no reason to lay the three and a half early in the week because you could have gotten a three. And in fact, at FanDuel, it did go to minus three, lay a dollar 18. So, um, and then as soon as almost all the places go to four, okay, then you can take out the last three and a half. Now, if you're a huge syndicate better and you want to get down $200,000, you can't do that. But if you're a, a human and you're betting 10,000 or less, the strategy I'm advocating is, is the optimal one. As long as you're, you know, not working 20, you know, a regular job and you're only peeking in you know, once a day, and then you could certainly miss the number. How, when do when do the limits open up all the way? Like when when is when, in Vegas, for instance, when is someone able to get down as much as they want? You know, circa I, early in the week, I'm sure they're already at like fifty thousand dollars for for what what they'll take. So the Westgate, a lot of the times, people like I know RJ says this all the time, where he's like, "Oh, you can bet whatever you want." 
Maybe if you're Charles Barkley, you can. Right. But if you're a, if you're a sharp bear, like the Westgate is considered to be, I think, the second or the third best sports book in Vegas, by example. Used to be the best. Used to be. It's clearly not the best. So clearly, Circa's number one. I would argue that Caesars has easily surpassed um, Westgate. I don't know what Caesars would take. It's up to their traders in terms of mm-hmm. approval. But I can tell you this. I could walk. I could drive over the Westgate on the app. I can bet $2,000 on an NFL side. That's it. Only 2000 If I walk up in person, I say, can I have $50,000? Well, if the line was eight everywhere, they probably would give me more than $10,000. But if the line is like eight to eight and a half, all right, and there's only they're an eight, and there's only a couple eights left. And I asked for fifty thousand dollars. They'd say, "Steve, you know the limit's ten thousand. That's all yeah. you can have." I mean, this has happened before, and they would give me the ten thousand, but because that's their post, and then limit. they move it to eight and a half. Yes, or nine. Um, but I mean, if they've got a guy that's playing in the back or at pit, um, and they and he's betting three thousand hand, we can bet whatever he wants because he's a square ball that's just donating all his money to the casino, and then the sports book has to take it because if they don't take it, then the casino host that's, like, managing them will meet with the casino manager saying, why the why the heck are we alienating a customer that's losing six figures to us each and every year? But they don't do that about sports bettors. They – but if, if you're just – well, if you're a losing sports better, then they have to take it also. And you you're know? right. It seems like, you know – Mattress Mac can go down, or Charles Barkley or Drake can go to the window and bet $1.5 million. You, that's not a normal thing, though. Exactly right. By the way, Mattress Mac probably should not be um, lumped in with Drake or with Mayweather because Mattress Mac is actually coached and given very good information by Anthony Curtis and others. Sometimes he chooses not to follow Anthony's advice, from what I hear, but he's getting rebates on things. He's getting kickbacks. He's getting things the average better doesn't get, such that he's made some very good advantageous bets. Oh, yeah. Well, and also, whatever losses he has is covered in furniture sales. Like, he's... But that's the business it, all works out I, for I, him but, no but matter what. It, but, but that's irrelevant. I'm, I'm saying most of the perception is Mattress Mac is a big losing sports better that's just hedging his bets. And the truth is, Mattress Mac is a guy that if he listened to the advice of the people that's giving him, he bets so much that he he's using the persona of being a square ball to his advantage. And he's it's similar to some of the people who play blackjack that are negotiating rebates on losses and things that yeah. he can actually finagle it. So not only is he hedging his business, but he's actually a profitable sports bet. I know in the Super Bowl when he bet Tampa Bay, he got an ungodly good number against Kansas City where he got a number no one else in the world could even get. And if you want to bet $5 million on something or whatever he was betting, you should not get the better number right. than someone who's betting 5000 But they, but the places that he betted at, you know, thought he was just like a Drake and just, yeah. you know, and it was good publicity for them to take really big bets as well. All right, let's move to the Sunday games and a line that's moved Pretty substantially from the open, the Buffalo Bills now five and a half. Looks like across the board five and a half. Um, so I know, like you just said, you're not going to have any interest in betting either team at, at five and a half. But mostly I want to talk about, and I talked a little about this with RJ uh, yesterday morning, what could have possibly made books open that game at three and a half? Like what when it was two and a half at Cincinnati – you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, how could they say, how could they justify going, you know what? Three and a half in Buffalo sounds right. Like in what world did that make sense? You know, I, I think it actually did make sense okay. before all the Cincinnati O-line injuries, because, um, you know, and what no one mentions is that, you know, Buffalo is getting their butts kicked in that game. So the Cincinnati money line, I, and people are like, they only played 10 minutes, Fezzik. I know they only played 10 minutes, but the 
live wagering line was Cincinnati minus 170 when the game got stopped. That means Cincinnati was supposed to win by three. Now, I know there was a whole bunch of football to be played, but the Bengals were up four at home driving. Bengals, so, so what's my, the most likely outcome? Unbiased estimate. If they play 60 minutes, Bengals win by three. Bengals win by three. You look back at it. That was a stupid line. Why, are the, why were the Bengals catching two and a half at home mm-hmm. against Buffalo? Bengals are as good as Buffalo. And all of a sudden, it becomes a bridge too far to make Buffalo more than a three-point favorite in this game. So, But everything changed when all the old linemen got injured for the Bengals. So that's really um, – this is being priced in completely – and I know that people are like, oh, well, the Bengals, you know, they went to the Super Bowl. Well, the Bengals were catching three and a half at Tennessee last year. You yeah. Know, they, I mean, the Bengals got outplayed by Tennessee. Tannehill blew the game with the three interceptions. Um, the Bengals were a nice story. Which is probably what Bengals fans are hoping for this week as well. <laughs> Josh Allen might oblige him. I don't know. He certainly might. And Burrow is great under pressure, but that is not um, sustainable. It is not sustainable to get sacked six times a game and come through with the victory for, for your team. So the bang, the Bengals' underlying stats are lousy. The Bengals, 5.4 yards per play, four and against, and now their O-line's injured. So um, given the bad stats for the Bengals and the injuries, I can understand the line going up to 5.5, but I understand Buffalo also, like you mentioned, Burrows, um, um, Buffalo's quarterback is injured. He is um, not the same quarterback that he was. He's not taking care of the ball, and the Bills – were great in the first half of the season. Their underlying stats are fantastic, but they have not been as good. And they almost lost to a third-string quarterback, Skylar Thompson. Yeah, but remember, the, the Bengals also almost lost to Tyler Huntley. And, That's a great point. And should, really, have lost, should have lost yeah, to Tyler Huntley. And the, here's the difference in my mind. The Bills dominated statistically, and their turnovers almost cost them the game. Plus 200 yards. They, they, they should have won by 14, just looking at the stats, whereas the Bengals should have lost by six. The Ravens were the better team that no day no on doubt. both sides of the ball, really. And one turnover really was the difference in the game for the Bengals. So that's why, like, yes, the Bengals just got by and the Bills just got by, but it was in totally different ways. Yes. And I, I to me... If if what we if what we say about turnovers being mostly luck related is true, then it's it's hard for me to say that those two things are equal. Although if I asked you, I don't want to talk about the fourth quarter because the team that's behind us to take risk in the first three quarters, I would say Buffalo is a pretty big favorite to have more turnovers than Cincinnati. One hundred percent. So yeah. so it is so it is handicappable in this game. I, I agree. Although here's what I would also say to that: that may be changing with the offensive line situation because I agree with that you know it, it Joe Burrow's already like gets rid of the ball as fast as anybody but now he's like you saw last week he was having to get rid of it even faster faster Bills, than he was comfortable with but the Bills don't have a pass rush they don't have Von Miller I mean they're uh, the Bills without Von Miller still a top five pass rush in the league really yeah like they they I mean, Von Miller was – remember, when they got Von Miller this offseason, yeah. that was like a luxury item. Sure. That was putting, like, spinning rims on their on their Cadillac. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they already had a great defense, a great pass rush, and that's why people were like, oh, my God, what what is this? Do we have an over under a number of sacks in this game? I bet it's available. It's probably I, four and a half use to the over, I would think. I, I, I would like over. You know? I, oh, I mean, t- for the – both teams combined? Yeah, of course. I, th- I think that's almost a lock. You'll, you'll never see a three on, on an individual like team. I've never, I never see a three. I'll see like how many, how many times would Burrow get sacked uh, over two and a half, maybe a minus 30. Mac, did we ever find those Tampa Bay offensive line stats? I realize I didn't get back to you on those. 
I didn't write them down. Well, one second. It okay. Was, it was, uh, they were about the same in passing. They were much worse last, this year in rushing blo- rush blocking. Okay, well, let's not worry about that. But if you can find a prop on those sacks for that game, that would be awesome for the Bills-Bengals uh, game. As far as the total goes, this total is now 49 and a half, it looks like, in most places. It, I mean, it seems simple to say, well, you got two of the best quarterbacks in the league. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. Uh, I would say, well, you've also got, for at least on Cincinnati's side, cluster injuries in the secondary, which is, that's never a good thing to have for for an under. But I also wonder if what we saw last week with the Bengals offense and to an extent what we've seen with, what we've seen with the Bills offense forces them to play things a little more safe. Mm. Um does this feel like a game that could be sort of a sneaky look at an under? I think so, but the problem is I got beat to the punch on it. And, you know, I haven't had my best year in the NFL, and I use this game as an example. I should have I should have had under 51. I should have, you know, connected the dots, saw the weather wasn't that good, saw the O-line issue was was really bad for the Bengals, and I didn't get there. So if I didn't, if I didn't get to the under 51, I'm not going to give my clients under 48. Um, I'll lean Bengals team total under because it doesn't make that much of a difference whether I play under 22 and a half or under 21 and a half. And I really think the Bengals are going to get 20 points. And the question is, how many are the Bills going to get? And I'm really not sure. You know, you, you that was uh, the bet that you and, and RJ had on the Dream Pod this week. And I thought it was really sharp. Like, it, it does feel like the team total, if you're, if you're going to play the total, that seems like the way to go. And that sort of mitigates whatever issues you've got with the Bengals secondary issues or injuries. Uh, you don't have to worry about that. And the, the concern is, I think, with any time you play, I'll ask you this. If you if you bet an under, how many how many turnovers are you comfortable with? Are you more comfortable with a heavy turnover game if you've bet the under or the over? Um, turnovers create points. I don't like yeah, turnovers. That, and I, that's, like, I, like, I like long, unsuccessful drives that result in missed <laughs> field goals. Yeah, yes. and that's the thing about betting a, a Buffalo under right now is I, I'm i with you. I, I think this Buffalo turnover, these turnover woes aren't like some sort of, you know, short-term mm-hmm. aberration. Like this is kind of what Josh Allen is. I think yeah. Josh Allen is a, a gunslinging guy. And I think it's and that's prob- and that's problematic. And of course, when I play a Bengals team total under twenty one and a half, I'm really in many ways playing under fifteen and a half because if the Bengals only have fi- if they only have fifteen points, and well, if they only have sixteen or seventeen points, they're probably going to be behind by double digits or by eight or ten. And here comes the up against the prevent defense on their last drive, and they're probably going to have a good chance to, to score them. Mac, any luck on those sack numbers? No. Oh, can't find a prop yet. Okay. Well, maybe that's it's you would think on games like this, like when it's four standalone games, there'd be a massive prop menu. I agree completely, but you got to recognize, you know, I'm pulling back the curtain. Everyone's Vegas knows. Oh, Vegas knows everything about everything. Nothing could be further from the truth. Vegas knows nothing. Vegas knows nothing. Let me repeat this. Vegas knows nothing. <laughs> if you ask the Hall of Fame bookmakers there in the Sports Betting Hall of Fame to set a line on something that is not set put up there by someone else, they will put up the dumbest numbers you have ever seen. I'll use an example. One book put up a numbers on a number of punts that will be in the game. Nothing could be further off. And you're like, well, well, Fezzik, how come you didn't make tons of money betting that? Well, I did make tons of money, and now they don't put that prop up right. anymore. Um, 
And you're like, well, wait a minute. Like the Super Bowl, they put up hundreds and hundreds of props. Well, the Westgate puts up hundreds and hundreds of props, and they're really sharp. Their prop betting um, department and their bookmakers are really good. But you know what everyone else does? They wait for the Westgate to come out with their props, and then they go over to the Westgate, and they grab their sheets, and then they copy all the numbers, and maybe they'll put up one or two of their own props. And every now and then they try to get clever, and they'll put up like 10 of their own props that are independent and they probably get buried and they get absolutely buried because they just have no clue what what the heck they're doing um you know regarding it so the whole vegas knows stuff i guess the closing numbers you hear all the time a game lands on the number like oh vegas knew well no the the sharp betters knew oftentimes that line's been molded exactly right it's been bet into shape so and and we're looking at that now you know with like like with the buffalo cincinnati number like you said three and a half was a bad number Five and a half is a much better number on that game. All right, let's look at the Cowboys and the 49ers. This is almost all fours. You can find some expensive three and a halves if you still like the 49ers. Um, it, it, a, if, if you had to choose between the expensive three and a half or the flat four, what's the better bet? I would say on or off the four is six cents. So I would rather lay three and a <laughs> half. Three and a half minus 114 or four minus 110 is the same thing. Then. Three and a half minus 14 is better. Oh, okay. Three and a half minus minus seven. 16 would be worse, or three minus 17 minus, would be worse. Three and a half minus 15 would be better. Minus 17 would be worse. Okay, yes. so there are there is a three and a half minus 14 if you're interested in that. Um, and the total in this one. And, and, but again, you should have had, you, you've been Rip Van Winkle. You've been sleeping all week. You just you, woke they up. They used to be three and a half, 110 you everywhere. Should, yeah, yeah. And, and you could have smoked dope all day and like, <laughs> oh, there's still a couple three and a halves left. I'll go over to a Resorts World, or I don't know who had the last three and a half. Yes, and gotten it. There are plenty of 46s and plenty of 46 and a halves on this total. And I've heard really strong arguments for both sides of this total. And I think really what it boils down to is, is what Dak did last week repeatable, or was that Dak against a Tampa Bay team that has no pass rush and couldn't get anywhere around him versus now he's playing the best defense in the NFL? I think this is really strong by you because it's, it's almost like, well, we know San Francisco's going to score 26 they're or 27 score. points, right? We know. We know yep. they're not going to get 40 against Dallas. They're going to get 27. Yeah. So how many is Dallas going to get? That's really the question. And I think that that – Solves your question about who you're betting on, side and total. Is Dallas going to get held to 20 points? Then you're betting San Francisco. Is if Dallas is Dallas getting to 24? Then you're betting over. How much are they giving for home field in the playoffs? Because I'm like when the number was three and a half. Now it's starting to make a little bit more sense. But when it was three and a half, it was it was hard for me to say the Cowboys and 49ers are close to equal. You know, I actually I only have them two points apart. So I have Dallas as a Four and a half points better than an average team. Nine or six and a half better. So let me make my case. I think you, you're going to agree. Um, let's assume nothing changes personnel-wise. Okay. Right? And assume Jimmy G retires. Okay. Right? And for, and assume for, they go with Purdy next year. Okay. Give me an over-under for the season win number for Dallas and for San Francisco off the top of your head. Assume they play a comparable schedule. Okay. Um, what What's my assumption about what happens for the rest of this season? You don't, you don't get to know. Hmm. Okay. Uh, well, here's what I'll say. I think the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. I'm going to say 11 and a half. Okay. I will right now bet the 49ers under 11 and a half, you know, um, with Purdy. And what the, do you think the number will be? 11. 11. Okay. I think 11. And and Dallas, I would I would guess 10 and a half. There you go. So you always so see you're 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 making the case that 
San Francisco's better, but not by a lot. Even if we give you your number, 11 and a half versus 10 and a half. Now, if San Francisco goes to the Super Bowl, would that change your mind? Of, if, co- like, of course, but, okay. they, but they haven't gone to the Super Bowl. Okay. So you're saying that you're saying they're one game better. So a team that's one game better is, you know, no more than two points better in the power rating. Okay. Right. So, so we're, we're you're basically you're agreeing, and we're, then we're, you, we're in the same boat here with their power rates. We're basically saying neutral. We think San Fran's two points better, and they're home, but they're also in a great spot. Dallas has four straight road games, and and the and these are not just cupcake road trips. They're real plane flights to Tennessee, to Tampa, to Washington, and now to the West Coast. Talk to me about San Francisco. Like, how do you rate San Francisco's home field? Like, I hear people say, "Well, it's wine and cheese. It's it's not a." And it's not like it's not like going to a, a Raiders game in Oakland where like there's painted chests and it's, it's it's wine and cheese. It's it's a point and a half. I don't I don't care I don't care that they won nine straight games. Does the travel there like it being a difficult destination? Does that not factor in? That, it's that it's that the second fact- toughest place to get to in the NFL for as far as air travel. That does factor in, but that's not home field. That's intangibles. Okay, because if um, um, if the Rams play there. We're not going to give them that home field. True. So, like, say, and maybe, you know, it's a great point you make that, like, Seattle, maybe I'm molding a little of their home field into the fact that it's so darn yeah. hard to get I mean, there. It's, t- it's a tough travel spot. But, it, but, but it's not tough for some teams to get to San Francisco. It's not tough for Arizona to get there, but it's certainly um, a problem for, you know, most teams in, in, yeah. in the league. So, I wouldn't, I guess you could bake it in a home field whenever they're playing a team that's not on the West Coast. So, if you say a point and a half for home field and, Two points for power rating, that gets a. But now t- talk but about I'm moving through the three. Yeah, so that explain me, that to me. Yeah, so when I, if if a team's two points better and their home and the home field was worth two, for instance, it, it would only get me to three because the the three lands so often. It takes a lot more to move mm-hmm. me off the three, but that gets me to three. But then the it's like I said, it's a really bad situation for Dallas also with um the scheduling and the like. And I don't like the fact that Dallas just got their celebratory win in Tampa and they're so excited. Um, whereas San Fran just, you know, I know they were behind at halftime, but they workmanlike win against Seattle. And so all the intangibles favor San Francisco. That's got to be worth at least a point, point and a half. That gets me to four and a half. Um, and so that, that has me leaning still to San Francisco. But again, and, and call me like the um, uh, un, unrealistic expectation guy that you always got to get a number that's better than what the number is out there. But the three and a halves were there when we even talked about play San Francisco early in the week, lay the three and a half, and now it's four. And it's like, well, what difference does that make? Well, like in, for, for a professional blackjack player, you would never play a six to five paying blackjack game. That's a 1.4% right. um, downer. And professional blackjack players lose their minds over losing a 0.2% option when they can't double after split of the deal or hit soft 17. So 1.4% is like ridiculously bad. Well, Guess what? You know, laying four instead of three and a half, that's like losing 1.4, more than 1.4% of your expectation. Can't do it. Someone uh, on, on Twitter or yesterday mentioned that if anybody noticed the defense jumped with the addition of, of Leighton Vander Esch back in the lineup for Dallas, uh, and if we did factor that in. It's like, a good point. It, it, I mean, and certainly he's one of their, you know, three or four key guys that you'd mm-hmm. consider – uh, I think the health of Micah Parsons is maybe the most important handicap for, the, at least for Dallas's defense, because I believe this about Micah Parsons. He, if you're a a Lamar Jackson or a, a a Justin Fields, you're on a different level. But if you're random athletic quarterback, 
Justin Herbert's a good example. He's a guy who who's mobile but isn't like a runner. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy falls into that category. At least he has through these six games. He falls into that category. If you're that guy, you can't you can outrun some pass rushers. You can't outrun Micah Parsons. Yeah, it's a group, yeah. And if Micah Parsons is healthy, all this scrambling around and escapability that Brock Purdy's had so far is shut out. If he's not healthy, I think Brock Purdy can continue to do what he's been doing. But I also think that Brock, I, I feel comfortable with Brock Purdy when he's in the pocket, too. I, I'm getting suckered into Brock Purdy, like, in a way that is uncomfortable for me. Like, because we, we are going to have our mock draft of our 10 quarterbacks we most or players that we most want to start with, and Purdy's in my top 10. That's insane to me. I can't get there. Well, I can't. Then give me not, give me the 10 guys in front of him, we'll, please. We'll you, discuss you're, that. You're going to take Tannehill's of we'll, the world? We'll discuss gonna, that in a moment. In fact, Geno Smith. Let's get there now because RJ has yesterday on the show, you may have heard, he uh, put a gun to my head and said, you can draft five guys. Give me your okay. top five. First four are going to be real easy. And he said, uh, and they've got it. You've got to account for age. You got to account for contract. All of this, like the real world situation of these guys goes into account. You're drafting them to your team. And I went Patrick Mahomes, one. Along with the world. Josh Allen, two. Along with the world. I went Justin Herbert, three. And Joe Burrow, four. Yeah, and, and it's it, th- that list is universal. If that's not your list, you know, go do something else for a living. You don't have no idea what you're doing. My fifth. Here's the problem. Is Trevor Lawrence. And here's why. He's under team control for three more years. He took. Uh, do I think that he's great yet? No. But who else? Can you, who else can you but take? You're going to take Hertz. The and I could, but I only have Hertz for I think one more year before I got to pay great, him. That's, that's a great point. And who who else can you take realistically? Like who, who Lamar, take? Lamar Jackson. You're about to are have you, to pay. Are you kidding me? Forty million dollars a year? Right. This is exactly the sort of contract that like we make fun of organizations for their stupidity. It's like Lamar Jackson couldn't even. Literally, he has a digestive disorder every third game. <laughs> but I believe. The jump that Trevor Lawrence made from year one to two is massively impressive. Like, it's a he, big deal. He could be really good. He could be. Like, he has a high ceiling. A year ago, I was, I, you know, I'm, I still don't know that I he'll ever be as good as I thought he could be. But the jump from year one to year two, I feel so much better now. Now, you wish he hadn't stunk against Tennessee. Sure. It cost him the playoffs. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah, I mean, he's still young. Fine. Yes. RJ gave me his list. And it's number one, Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Number two, Joe Burrow. Yep. Number three, Josh Allen. No problem. Number four, Jalen Hurts. I mean, it's 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 a complete stretch, but it's it's it, uh, Jalen Hurts is in my top six, so good. And number five, he said, trade down. Trade down. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Which is su- I, it's such a cop out, but it's so on brand for RJ. Well, but it's I mean it, it's silly because Herbert obviously. Well, he's not going to say Herbert, and he's not going to say Lawrence because that would appease me. And- well, I mean it's it's just like if, if you asked me, yeah, this is a great question. Um, who will have a better QBR um, in two years, Herbert or every quarterback drafted in the next two years? I think that's about an even money proposition. Uh, yeah, you know, I think that's probably. Fair. I'd lean Herbert over all the like over the field of of, of, of two, rookie of, and two of, second year quarterbacks. Yes, I'd yeah, I would lean Herbert. Yeah, I I'd mean, probably, I'd probably give minus one twenty. Yeah, so I mean that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, I mean they clearly Herbert great. So and if you're trading down, you only get one of these guys. Exactly. You know, 
And that's the you might get Bryce Young who can't like who, who might not be able to play you know football north of the Mason Dixon line. All right, so now I'm going to ask you, Fez, and you it, because you said Brock Purdy would be in your top ten. I want to get your top ten, and you said the first the first four. I, I, I don't I don't have well, the first four. Are obvious, everyone agrees. Um, if you weren't paying attention, go back and rewind. Okay. All right. Um, I think fifth, I probably fifth and sixth hurts. Do, you, do hurt. you like Herbert or Burrow better going Doesn't forward? Matter. They're comparable. Okay. Um, it, it, fifth for you is Hurts? May, maybe Herbert for, for just health reasons. Okay. If, if I knew Burrow was going to stay healthy, I'd take Burrow. Um, fifth and sixth, I, I would go Lawrence and I'd go Hurts. Okay. And then seven, eight, nine, and ten. No idea. They're all terrible. They're all terrible. They're all so Brock Purdy would be one of them. Bro- I mean, do I want Brock Purdy? My, my goodness. I, I mean, I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel. So much. I mean, I can't even. I can't. Dak Prescott has to be in your top. Oh uh, yeah, right? that's, that's a good point. That's okay. Good point. Da- so Dak is. But would remember, be one I gotta, of them. I'm paying. I'm paying through the it's roof. It's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. You do know. Do you want to pay? Do I want Fields? Sure, I'll take Fields because I don't have to pay him. Okay. Um, would you want to pay for Kyler Murray? God no. <laughs> Are you kidding? Is, I mean, uh, would you want to pay for Kirk Cousins? No. Mm. You know what? My, I. I. I, I I don't want a quarterback that I don't want to pay forty million dollars for a quarterback that on fourth and eight with the season on the line throws the ball to a slow dude that's six yards away from the sticks. Okay, well here's a question then. Over the next two years, Lamar Jackson or every rookie and second year quarterback that gets drafted? Oh, every rookie and second year quarterback. Really? I get the whole field against yeah. them. I don't even know if Lamar Jackson's gonna be playing in two years. His health is so compromised. I okay. mean if he was we could have a great conversation. If he was healthy right now. Um, but he's just not. He, I mean, he I think if, if Lamar Jackson were healthy and under contract, and of course, I don't think it'd even be a question. He's in this conversation, of course. But uh, but yeah, they, same they, with Murray. If if Murray was 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 had had been completely healthy throughout his tenure, absolutely. The fact that you know, people like the poo poo like these little things like about they wanted to put in the contract they was going to study the playbook for four hours. It's like. You know, you, you know what there's I'm, a reason why there is a reason that. this is in the conversation. You know, it's like you 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 look at a um, uh, Baker Mayfield as much as we you know dump on Baker. You know, he's like literally send me the playbook. You know, on the on the flight out, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be reviewing all this. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that in a comparable situation, we would not have seen that from Murray. I I can't. I don't think I can argue. All right, in the NBA, let's start with the Brooklyn Nets, who got some help last night. Wasn't enough. Wasn't enough help, but they got Kyrie Irving back, which is promising. He's been out for a while with a calf injury. Uh, McKenzie, it looks like he played pretty well. I didn't see the game, but it looks like he played pretty well, at least on offense. But the Nets lose. And this is this is interesting to me because yesterday on the show – you said it doesn't really matter who's out there for the Nets if Kevin Durant's not. And I think this, it, like, it makes what you said really prescient because, like, it doesn't matter. They had Ben Simmons. They had Kyrie Irving. They were still they were still not even close to good enough. Yeah, they still lost his road favorites to, the, to a Suns team that doesn't have Chris Paul, doesn't have Devin Booker, doesn't have anybody. And, yeah, he put up, what, 30 points, seven assists is a typical Kyrie night, but defense is going to be the problem. So year-to-date – Nets are the second-best defense in the league. Hard to believe looking at these numbers. Only the Grizzlies are better. Last 30 days, they're the worst. They're what? The worst, I mean, I'm sorry, the last 14 days, which is pretty much the time that the Kevin KD's Durant's been out. Been out. Uh, you know, look at offense and defense. They go from the 
third best team to the 25th best team. It's just been a different team completely without KD, especially on defense. Let's talk about what's going on in Dallas. Uh, Christian Wood, we talked about Dallas yesterday on the show, talking about how poor their defense has been. Christian Wood now breaks his thumb, and he's going to be out for a little while. What kind of an – I mean, this he's more impactful than I thought, at least from a – he's like second on the team in points and rebounds behind Luka. How much of a difference does this make for the Mavericks, who are already kind of scuffling at the he's, moment? He's an interesting piece because he's a box score guy. In the Rockets, he was probably worth two to three points. He was their number one scorer, number one rebound guy. But he never won anything. And now he went to the Mavericks, and they're probably the most disappointing team in the league on a night-to-night basis. Worst ATS team in the league. A lot, he was supposed to be number two, and statistically he is, but – He's not working. This goes back to an ESPN article from last week where apparently Donkic before the February 9th trade line, Luca would really want some trade pieces to happen. Not good enough. Well, uh, Mavericks owner Mark Cuban denies that report, but kind of in a way that, that leaves him open for, you know, we might, we might make some moves, but Luca, you know, Luca's cool. Luca's only worried about winning. Yeah, I believe that he's worried about winning. And, and he thinks what they have isn't good enough. And Christian Wood probably not being on that team. So this injury kind of gives them a good, hey, we got to win now. Kind of gives them a good excuse to find something else. And you think they would they would maybe use Christian Wood as a trade piece? Yes, I, I think the co- the contract wise, he's probably the you know most productive guy at that contract level. Uh, Luca, at this point, like you you mentioned KD, and I can't help but but think, especially given what you just said about his defensive numbers on and off. KD could have been a real MVP candidate this year. I think Luka's a real MVP candidate, but right now Jokic is the favorite, right? Yeah, Jokic about even money most places. Luka four to one, Jason Tatum seven to one, so two man race really. Do you believe that if KD hadn't gotten hurt, he'd be right there in the mix? Yeah, I think he'd be right next to Tatum. You know, in between Doncic and Tatum, around six seven to one. I mean, is is this season by by Jokic like is it greater than his first two MVP seasons? In, in my opinion, yes. So last year he set the record for player efficiency rating. And 11 out of the last 13 leaders in that stat have been the MVP. It's the number one all box score, all stats MVP. You do everything on the court. Probably overrated, in my opinion. This year, he's matching that PER almost exactly the same, which would be, you know, number two all time. And the team went from, a you know, sixth, seventh in the West to number one in the West. That is a huge difference. When you're actually not only just doing everything for your team, I think that's overrated. When you're doing everything for your team and you're winning, that can't be rated highly enough. He's much better, much more deserving an MVP than he ever has been, in my opinion. Mackenzie, do you feel 20 years ago that he would not have gotten the MVPs because the analytics departments weren't as advanced? No, I think he he still would be there because, I mean, (laughs) PR is a fancy way to say points, rebounds, and assists. Everyone loves points, (laughs) rebounds, and assists. All right. If he were to win a third MVP, we're talking about the elite of the elite company, right? Yes, so there's been three players that have won it three times in a row. Bill Russell, right after him, Wilt Chamberlain. Then 20 years later in the 80s, Larry Bird won three in a row, two championships during those years. Jokic would be the fourth. Yeah, and really having three overall, you just add in Kareem, LeBron, Moses Malone, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson. And for those say, oh, man, historically, Jokic can't have three MVPs if those are the guys. He's been as good as Moses Malone. You know, Moses Malone, underrated all time. uh, Nikola Jokic, underrated all time. I think I just have a hard – like – this uh, my my eyeball bias is uh, it's a real thing and it, it I'm frustrated that it's there, but I see Nikola Jokic. I even I even watch him He's play. He's averaging a thirty point triple double and amazing efficiency. I really the other day, is. He was thirty points in a close comeback win, shooting thirteen for, from fourteen for the floor. I think it's between him and Larry Bird, all time, 
guys who look like they shouldn't be as good as they are. Like, there's no way this guy can be, like, the best player in the league, and he is. A lumberjack should not be the NBA MVP. I mean, I guess Steph Curry probably falls into that same category because he's such a tiny. He yes. looks like Still, a little. He looks like a little wafer. He doesn't there. look like a guy yes. who'd be the best player. That's in a the great league. example. That another guy that doesn't fit into the. Whereas Dr. J should win MVP every year with Jordan, right? Someone was comparing Michael Jordan and Larry Bird's work habits, and they said they both worked immensely, like 80 hours a week, way more than everybody else. Kobe-esque, but Larry Bird just spent 80 percent of the time in the gym, shooting weird shots, shooting free throws, shooting little hesitation moves. Where Jordan probably spent a lot of time, more time in the weight room. But there's only so many hours in the day. There's only so skilled, so athletic you can get. There's different ways to get there. There's different ways to skin a cat. You know, Mackenzie, I wanted to ask you, because if you look at the pro golf, um, the, the PGA, there's not a bad putter out there. Every single player, you know, is is what we— Well, would... they're better than us, but, like, relative to each other, there's some— I, I think I know bad. where you're going. Go ahead. So so here's what—and it's, it's, it's because if you were, like—was um, it Happy Gilmore? If you're, like, four-putting <laughs> everything, then you don't get to be on the tour, right? So, so it's so critically important. It forces guys with bad work habits, like, okay, I got to be able to—I got to be able to at least workman-like putt pretty well, but in the NBA— it's like it's no big deal. It's just like like you shoot 55 percent, and it's it's forgiven for whatever reason, and it drives me crazy because I'm I, it's like watching a pro golfer three putt a lot, and I'm like he just isn't working on his game. Would you disagree with me? Yes, and Dwight Howard is a great example. I just saw a video about this recently where it's just so much harder than you think to play NBA basketball and do the small things like shoot free throws. It's like running a marathon and shooting a free throw contest at the same time. So Dwight Howard would have this practice routine when he was with the Lakers. He wouldn't be allowed to leave practice until he made 20 free throws in a row. You might say, Dwight Howard, he shot 53% for his career. He's never going to make 20 in a row. No, he did each, each and every day after practice because when you're not running and you're not guarding the most athletic players in the world and you're not jumping seven feet in the air, you can make 20 free throws. However, when you are doing those things, when you're it's, tired, it's much harder to, to have that you know consistency when, you have, when you're dealing with that much muscle They get worn down and it's hard to be uh it's hard to be Steph Curry would you that, that's a good point would you say maybe what Dwight Howard did wrong is that he should have been like going to the line shooting with perfect form and practice a free throw and then like like moving around yeah, simulating there's ways to do it there's what, ways Dwight Howard could have worked harder and instead been a of shooting, free throw shooter. instead of shooting 100 free throws at once it was not realistic but he wanted to be really strong and then yeah. he said, All right, let me make some free throws and yeah. it, it didn't work and, for him and you know what Dwight Howard had a pretty successful career, so I like to say it didn't work. I, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it all worked out for him in the well, end. Well, what 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 drives me crazy as a fan is when I see someone with perfect form that can't make his free throws. I'm fine. It's just he can't he can't make them. But when I see like I remember when Shaq was struggling and he'd do the catapult, you know, uh -huh. and it was just the form was just so wrong from so many flawed from so many levels or someone will shoot like they'll be like 17 feet from the from the free throw line instead of 15 feet because they that's what they have had recent success practicing it just like just get a free Shots throw worse coach. In, in my opinion because he was a good shooter from within 10 feet like he was like a naturally skilled player he wasn't all brawn he was very coordinated he yes. was, yeah he was not the work ethic of uh, of kobe bryant kobe bryant said i'd win 12 championships if he worked as hard as me, I kind of believe him. But I just, I, like I said, if I see a guy with perfect form, uh, same thing like the golfer. He's got perfect form and his putter is just not going. I, I'm, it's much more forgiving yeah. than a guy has like the that. most weird putting style ever, you know, and, 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 and like, dude, just learn how like to putt. Like Chamberlain went underhand in the middle of his career. It's probably not... <laughs> You know, a professional move right there. It's kind of just hacking it. Well, you know what? I, they, you know, that's interesting because it's. Do you think it's possible that someone might shoot underhand 
free throws and be able to hit 80 percent well, yeah rick barry did you know now that i think about it maybe that was the one he should have done that the whole time and <laughs> yeah. he was unprofessional before that i'm not sure all right let's get take a look at what's going on on the hardwood tonight the pelicans two-point favorites at orlando the knicks catching three and a half uh, at the Hawks, Heat minus one at the Mavericks. The Warriors on this on the back end of a back-to-back uh, as they lost to the Celtics in overtime last night. They are seven-point dogs at my Cleveland Cavaliers, McKenzie. Uh, the back-to-back thing, we look to fade anyway, right? Yes, two points disadvantage. I'd say after an overtime game, maybe bump it up to two and a half for being on a back-to-back oh. roadside. Oh, but it looks like it opened at four and a half, and it's already been hammered on the on I the wonder cast. if somebody knows somebody about not playing uh, some players for the Warriors. would be surprising. Yeah, that wouldn't be surprising at all. Clippers, seven-point favorites at San Antonio. Jokic, an 11-point favorite hosting the Pacers. Nets also on a back-to-back, plus 6.5 at Utah. The Grizzlies, minus 7 at the Lakers. And the Thunder, plus 3 at the Kings. Last night in the college game, boy, didn't see this coming. The Gonzaga Bulldogs. This is one of the most impressive streaks in sports that came to an end last night. And the the Zags had been so dominant for so long at home, 76-game home winning streak for Gonzaga comes to an end. Loyola Marymount snaps that win streak 68-67 last night. And it is the eighth longest in D1 history, uh, and now it's gone. Gonzaga Who is— Who the longest? UCLA? Uh, I think it was UCLA, yeah. Gonzaga is not the Gonzaga we've known for the last few years now. This this is a team that there's been signs of it uh, the last few weeks. There was a BYU game. BYU's not good. And they beat BYU by a point. Mm-hmm. And they came back. at the, It was the only time in the game they led right. is when they went ahead. Um, so there's been cracks in the foundation. And unfortunately, now the memo just went out to everyone that Gonzaga is no good. They had a stretch here where they beat San Francisco by two, Santa Clara by five, and BYU by one. That's eight points over a three-game span. That doesn't happen with Gonzaga. Maybe we should just be in betting, conference. Maybe we should just be betting against Portland on a night, nightly basis because they well, didn't get the memo yeah. that, that <laughs> Gonzaga's down. Right after those three games, they did play Portland at home and beat them by forty. That's <laughs> that's called a get-right game. The next game was this one against Loyola last night and just didn't show up. And they were actually like they fought back Mm -hmm. to lose by one point. So Gonzaga is a team that's interesting because they've got some impressive wins. Uh, They beat Michigan State. They 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 beat Xavier, who's a very good team. They beat Alabama, who's probably on on track to be a one seed. Wait, didn't Xavier just lose to DePaul? Yes. How does that happen? It's a great question. I don't know. How, how's Gonzaga lose at home to Loyola Marymount? I, 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 I tell you, I'm, I'm going to go with the. You're the college basketball expert, but I'm going to go with the theme. This tournament is wide open. I tend to agree. There's going to be some people losing some big dollars playing three seeds on money lines come this tournament against four teams. I think so. And there are right now. There, I think there's two teams that I really, really trust. And they're the two teams that have that are having a great season this year. Where are you from, AJ? I'm from Texas. What city in Texas? I came here from Houston. I'm from. Uh, and what team do we trust? I, I think you trust the Houston Cougars. 
They're 18 and one. They are. <laughs> I agree with you. Uh, they're the only team in the top 10 of both offense and defense per Ken Palm. They have gone. They're just blowing everybody I, out. I, I agree with you. I, I, I know nothing about college basketball, but everything I see, I agree. Who else do we trust? The other team to trust is UCLA. Another team that's got a bunch of guys who have been to a final four, have been there and done that. UCLA got tested last night. Uh, I wouldn't say they got tested. They won by 12 on the road. You know what's impressive about that game? So UCLA trails at the end of the first half, and ASU makes one from midcourt to go up, I believe, five. Yep. And no problem. You know, some teams might, you know, might be down after that. No, nah, UCLA right off the right off the bat in the second half goes on a big run and uh, takes care of business. It's a team again. It's a team full of veterans that have been there and done that. And it's hard to. It's hard to not like teams that you've seen. Like, with all these other teams, we're like, oh, D- Purdue's a great example. I- as far as what they've done so far this season, you look at Purdue and you go, man, they're really good. They've only lost one game. They've got the most dominant player in the country. I don't trust them in the tournament. I've, I've, seen, <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen this movie before. This is like University of Cincinnati when they're a one seed. I know Kenyon Martin got hurt, but it's like – you can just see them going out in the second round. The best thing that happened to Purdue last year, and last year obviously it was not a great tournament run for Purdue. They went out in the third round. They lost to St. Peter's. The only reason that it wasn't, it's not like hanging over their head like a giant albatross is because Kentucky, all the people remember Kentucky lost to St. Peter's. They don't remember that, oh, there were other teams that had to lose to St. Peter's then, in that run, too. Yeah, and then St. Peter's got uh, annihilated the next game. Yeah. yeah. Kentucky lost to them. Murray State lost to them. And Purdue lost to them before North Carolina beheaded them. But all those teams, like, that's no way to go out of the I'm, tournament, losing to a, a 15 seed. I'm glad you brought up UCLA because there's a lot of people. There's gonna, there's talk. When is the field going to be expanded in the NCAA? I don't think it will be. And probably there's talk about it. I, I mean, a, a, it will be eventually. I'll be angry about it, but I, I don't know. I, there's no there's no date set. Yet. But UCLA only got in the one year because we were in the 68-game yeah. field and they were in the playing game in Dayton in the yep. first four. As an 11 seed, and they went to the final four. And I think that's that's what makes the tournament so great that there is no great team. So any team that really is in the top 100 has a realistic chance. It might be 0.5% to make the final four. All right, here's the part of the show where uh, Scott has begged and begged because he, I think he, he's worried. McKenzie, do you think he's worried hockey's going to die off, like it's going to go yeah, the way I of the dinosaur? I think he's worried about the, the league itself. I think so, too. Like, and if, if the league's not viable, then what's he going to do? Like, You're not going to read bet. all the hockey lines, are you? There's only two lines. All right. Yeah. Because the, I was going to say, any more than four, I just, I, I just want, You're like, good. Yeah. Penguins minus 145 hosting the Senators. The Avalanche minus 150. At the Canucks. Ooh, got that done. That was a, a close call. There is, this is where I'm going to give, I'm going to give out a best bet on the show today. There's UFC pay-per-view this weekend, UFC 283. I'm excited for this one. And I'll, you know what, Steve? I'm going to leave it to you. I'm going to give you two options for a best bet. I don't want this by submission. I just want to bet the guy to win. Do you, do you want a, a minus 110 or do you want an underdog? I want the minus 110. Shogun Hua and Ihor Poteria. This is Shogun Hua's last fight of his career over one and a half rounds, minus 112. This is the final fight. He's already said, I'm retiring after this one. 
They gave him two things here. One, a home game. This fight is in Brazil where Shogun is like Shogun's beloved everywhere. He may as well be a god in Brazil. Like he is beloved. Is that his first or his last name? Uh, Hua is his last name. Mauricio is his first name. But even like if you go to the window and bet him. Shogun we're talking. Shogun is his nickname. But if you go to the window and bet him, like on the board, it'll say Shogun Hua. Thank you. Like it's one of those nicknames that's been like adopted to be his his real name. Uh, And the the other thing they gave him is a very beatable opponent. Poteria has a finish rate over 75% which is bad if you're betting the over, right? The good news is all his fights came against pretty low-level competition in Ukraine, where he's from. So he's crushing a bunch of cans, basically, on his way to the UFC. It's been a long time since Shogun got sparked early. I don't believe this opponent is good enough to put him out in the first round. I think we get an ugly fight, lots of clinching, and maybe even some wrestling from Shogun as he tries to put on a good show for his fans for the last fight. All that stuff equals the clock ticking, clock ticking. All that clinching, clock ticking, clock ticking. Over one and a half rounds, minus 112, Shogun and Poteria. I do have one question for you on MMA. Some talk about um, some irregular betting patterns, people being close to the sport. Um, is this is there more scrutiny going on? Dana White looking into Is this good for the sport that there's I think it's there's absolutely integrity? good for the sport. Uh, speaking of integrity, Matty Holt's company, U.S. Integrity, made a deal with the UFC yesterday. Saw that. Uh, which is going to basically make sure there's no more funny business going on. So think and about this. If you're an NFL player and you bet $1,000 on a parlay on NFL teams, you get suspended for the year. If you're a UFC fighter, you could bet on yourself, right? You, you know, could. For, for whatever the, you want. That's, there, I mean, there has, in the past, there have been guys who said, I'm betting my fight purse on me before the fight. Because so the way MMA pay structure works is if you're a guy who's you might if you're a young guy, you might make ten thousand dollars to show and ten thousand if you win. So you could make 20K. So what they'll do is they'll say, I'm betting 10K that I'm going to win. So now they're going to get 30K instead of 20. But this like, is really outrageous. And people looked at it as like, oh, that's great. Look at this not, guy believes in himself. But, it, but it's outrageous, in my opinion. They used to use this, like, with like the P. Rose, they said that he only bet yeah. on, on his team. But the problem is, what happens when you don't bet on yourself? It's like, that's a tell that now I'm not going to give my best effort because, or, or I'm, I'm not confident. You can see where I'm going. I'm not sure. giving a consistent effort. I don't know about you, but if I bet $10,000 that I could beat Wishnev against the spread in tennis, I would bring my A game a lot more than if I was betting lunch. Uh, I agree with that. I will say, though, in, in a sport where you get double the money for winning, you're always motivated to win. Like that's what you like. You can't say that about baseball. Like baseball, here's what here's your paycheck. You win, you lose, you get paid the same. Doesn't so matter. you can't have one major sport that you're not allowed to bet five dollars on it, or you're suspended for the year, and another sport where you can bet you can bet your paycheck on yourself. That is beyond inconsistent. It's incongruent, as yeah. uh, as I hear you say sometimes. So, uh, if you want the rest of my UFC package, uh, you can. You can go to pregame.com, and you can get it. You think you'll have about six, seven plays? There's seven plays on the card. Outstanding. And Wish I'd gotten those. You will get them. I'll give them to you right after this show. You'll have time, plenty of time before tomorrow morning or tomorrow night. Uh, here's the code. You go to pregame.com. You get 20% off anything at pregame.com. That could be... Mackenzie Rivers, NBA. That could be Steve Fezzik's NFL for this weekend. Uh, that could be my college basketball or, or the UFC if you want that. That could be Scott Seidenberg's hockey. Apparently, he's still putting up plays this weekend, even though he's in, in Florida. Plus 41.39 units. And that's the code. Florida 
20. Florida 2-0. Since Scott's gallivanting down in Florida, Florida 2-0, good for 20% off anything you want at pregame.com. It's hard to beat that. So uh, go, th- go there, get your best bets. Steve, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for sitting in. Uh, these early morning meetings, you know, what could, I know what it's your could favorite. Be I know yes. it's your favorite. McKenzie, great work as always. Uh, for Scott Seinberg, who's not here, I'm AJ Hoffman. We will talk to you next week. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.